the series is called Spirit Source, and Pastor Steve kind of assigned me my topic for today, which is the Holy Spirit, our source of power. Now, it was good to have LaVon reading the scripture this morning. Uh, LaVon used to be a member of the church that I pastored before I retired, uh, Havelock United Methodist. She was one of our liturgists that read scripture on Sunday morning, and it was just kind of like old times having you up there reading the scripture, LaVon. The scripture that she read is from the first chapter of the book of Acts. Uh, Throughout this four-week series, all of the texts will be from the book of Acts and will be about the coming of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the book of Acts was written by Luke. Luke, we know, was a physician. We know that he was a very educated man. If you've ever translated the New Testament from the original Greek, uh, you would understand how difficult the book of Luke is compared to the rest of the, of the New Testament because it's very classical Greek language. Uh, what he wrote were two volumes. Uh, and these volumes were meant to be a continuous narrative beginning with the birth of Jesus through his death and resurrection and then the gift of the Holy Spirit coming on the church in the book of Acts and an account of the growth and the spread of the church in the first century. Now, right smack dab in the middle of the narrative is today's texts and today's topic of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. That when you receive the gift, power, will come upon you, and you will be witnesses. But I'd like to, to us to go back a little bit further in the narrative uh, to the book of Luke, the last chapter, chapter 24. And I'm going to ask you this morning to take your pew Bible, if you would, and turn to page 1060, and we're going to read an account of two followers of Jesus, And this account takes place on Resurrection Day, the day of Christ's resurrection. These two disciples had fled Jerusalem, had left their companions, and were headed back home to a little village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus. Seven miles. Probably took them about three hours to walk it as they were just walking and conversing about all the things that had happened. So let's begin reading with verse 13 of Luke 24. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked among them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, 
Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. Now this morning everybody here has been on this Emmaus Road. Everyone. Not only everyone here, everyone in our city, everyone in our state, everyone in our nation, everyone in the whole wide world, no matter whether our skin is black or white or yellow or red or brown or some shade in between, no matter whether we're rich or poor, blue collar or white collar, no matter whether we're short, tall, skinny, or fat, no matter whether we're male or female, whether we are straight, gay, or bi, no matter what we do for a living or what neighborhood we live in, we've all been on this road, the Emmaus Road. Because this is a road of disappointment, of doubt, of disillusionment, of defeat, of discouragement, despair, and death. And all of us at some time in our lives walk that road. Now Jesus joined them as they walked the road, but they didn't recognize him. They were kept from recognizing him. What do you suppose that was? Why this charade? Well, I think maybe because they really needed to talk about everything that they had experienced over the last three days. They needed an opportunity to get it all out. They needed to be able to vent. I don't know about you, but in times of great distress and suffering in my life, I needed to find a way to get it out. I needed to find someone who could listen, someone that I could talk to about what I was facing. And I think Jesus gave them this opportunity to vent, to get it all out as they stood there, faces downcast. Maybe another reason is that often in the midst of our disappointment and our despair, we cannot see what is right before us or right beside us or sometimes what is within us. We're blinded by our suffering. We're blinded by our grief and despair. And we, like these two disciples, ring out the words, we had hoped, we had expectations, 
We hoped that things were going to turn out differently. We hoped that, that our children would be healthy. We hoped that our marriage would be strong. We hoped that our life would be successful, that our careers would be successful. We hoped that our loved one who passed away had been with us just a little bit longer. We had hoped. These disciples said, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What does that mean? That means that they had hoped that he was going to restore Israel to its former state of glory and power and independence from the Roman rule. They had hoped that he was going to lead them to victory and that they would sit beside him in places of power. They had hoped. But they crucified him and he died. And now their hope was gone. Our expectations in life often lead to our greatest suffering. Wanting things to go back to the way that they used to be. In my counseling work, many times I have people come to me and say, Chuck, how can I get things back to where they used to be before this terrible thing happened? How can I get it back? How can I go back and restore what is lost? How can that happen? Many times I say to them, what makes you think that's supposed to happen? What makes you think that we're supposed to go back? We're supposed to be walking this path forward. We're supposed to be in another place. There's no going back. Their Messiah, their faith, and their hope was dead. And they saw no hope for the future. Why didn't they believe the women that morning, their trusted women that had been with them, that they loved and cared for and respected? Why didn't they listen to those women who had gone to the tomb, who had seen the empty tomb and heard the message of the angels? Why didn't they believe them? I think it's because it was secondhand information. And we don't do very well with secondhand information. To them, it seemed like a fairy tale. It could not be true. Their companions went to the tomb, but they did not see Jesus. This was secondhand information. Let's go back to the passage, to verse 25 on the Emmaus Road. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, 
and he began to give it to them, then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Why were they now able to understand their journey? What had happened to change all of that? Why were their hearts now burning within them when moments ago all was lost? I think it's because it was no longer secondhand information. Because you see, what they heard was not Moses' story. Not the prophet Elijah's or Isaiah's or Jeremiah's or Daniel's or Hosea's or Micah's or Malachi's story. It was Jesus' story. And it was their story. They had been there with him. They had saw the suffering and participated in the grief and the loss. And it was their story. You see, we have a God that does not take away all of our distress and all of our suffering on the road. But at the same time, he's a God who doesn't ignore us in our suffering. He is a God who walks the road of hardship and suffers with us on the Emmaus road. Sometimes we get to be companions of others on the road as Jesus was. And sometimes, as we hear their loss and their disillusionment and despair, we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. I'm thinking of this past year of a, of a woman who was in my office who I had worked with for about three years, and worked, she worked bravely through some terrible, unmentionable kinds of abuse and suffering in her life. And she had overcome so much and got on the other side of so much. But this day she was back in my office with a fresh distress and trauma in her life. And as I sat there and listened to her, I did not know what to say. I began to pray, oh God, Give me a word for this woman. Help me to do something to help her before I open up a vein. I was feeling that distress and that, that hopelessness. And I couldn't say anything. But as I sat there with her, she was a woman of faith, a woman who had gone through so much. I saw her begin to change. I saw her begin to see glimmers of hope as I feel the Holy Spirit began to minister to her. Sometimes all we can do is walk with others on the road. Sometimes we have the opportunity to share our story of suffering and how we got on the other side. As they approached the village, Jesus walked on as though he were going somewhere else. And they said to him, stay with us. Please stay with us. It's, it's almost night. The day's almost gone. 
stay with us. And we know that Jesus did stay with them for a little while. He broke bread and then he disappeared. But if we read further in the narrative, we know that he didn't stay gone. The next day he reappeared, not only to them, but to all of his followers. And he stayed with them for 40 days. And at the end of that 40 days, he ascended into the heavens. But before he did, he said, I'm going to send the promise of the Father on you. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power for the journey. Power to endure the road. And you will be my witnesses. That's what this gift of the Holy Spirit, this source of our power, is given to us for. It is given to us so that we can walk the road. You see, this book that you hold today and that you read from today is not a book about long dead people. It's not a book of cliches. It's not a book of platitudes. It is the living word of God. It is powerful. It is dynamic. And it is so because God has given us the Holy Spirit to remind us, to interpret for us, to make meaningful to us this word and to walk with us on this road and to make our hearts burn within us. It is a book of faith and we are a people of faith. Let's finish the story. Verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen. He has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. It said they returned at once. They weren't trying to escape the Emmaus Road or avoid it. Even though it was night, it was late in the day, it was dark, they ran back down the road seven miles to Jerusalem. It didn't matter how dark the road was. They'd been enlightened. It didn't matter how long the road was. They'd been empowered. It didn't matter how dangerous the road was. They were not alone and they were unafraid. You see, you and I are meant to be on the Emmaus Road. We are pilgrims. What does that mean? That means that this is not our home. We're on a journey, we're on a road, we're looking for a better place, we're trying to find our home, and we are walking together down that road. This is not our home. We're looking for a better place, and we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is our source of power and guidance for the journey. The destination is not only Jerusalem or Judea, or Samaria, but it is the ends of the earth. And there are many, many paths and many roads to the ends of the earth. 
And each one of us has our own. And God has provided his spirit as our power of source for our journey. They recognized him when he broke the bread. This morning, as we break the bread of Holy Communion in this service, may we recognize the presence of Christ that is made real to us through the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is our source of power.